she starts doing winning these cases and gets some notice and that is the reason why the dictator assigns an assassin to kill her because she's defending Christians Welcome to the Recap Book Chat. Thank you so much for stopping by today. We have a memoir that we just finished called Saving My Assassin by Virginia. That could be Prodden or Proden. I think it might be Prodden. I heard about her on uh, Focus on the Family, but my dear friend Cynthia gave gifted me this book for Christmas. So, uh. And thank you, Cynthia, because what... A read. I mean, this is probably my favorite memoir, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Well, I haven't read a lot of memoirs, but, <laughs> you know, the other one was about reading, which caused you to start doing the reading streak with your kids. So, yes, memoirs are different. They, they read differently. And she's a lawyer and she writes like a lawyer. And I mean, the, it hooks you from the beginning. The first I mean, the very first page of the book, it says, uh, I should be dead buried under an unmarked grave in Romania. Obviously, I am not. God had other plans. And that was my favorite quote. That I mean, what a, what a hook. What a yeah. hook. I should be dead in an unmarked grave. Buried in unmarked, you know. So, and so this takes place in Romania in the 80s. I was alive, but I was young. So I don't remember any of this uh, Romania going through this communistic society. Did you remember hearing about this? Um, No, and it starts in 1961, and it shows you her life as growing up. She is Cinderella. She is mistreated by her um, uh, mom, and uh, the other kids get to go out and play, and she's washing dishes. She's doing all this, and um, you feel sorry for her right from the beginning. I mean, cruel. Her her mother is cruel, yeah. And it said it's not ever as bad when the dad is there, but he's not there much because he's working. And yeah, you get the uh, you get the sense that the whole country is fearful. That this guy and who I don't know his name was a little uh, hard to pronounce, but even it seems so, kind of like our country today, as far as they were telling the people everything was okay. In fact, the leaders, the dictator's wife was saying, everything's great here. Our economy's wonderful. And it wasn't. They couldn't get anything. But, you know, it's just like uh, nobody was noticing the elephant in the room. Well, it was interesting, too. I mean, having having grown up in America, obviously, I've been in a bubble. I have been outside of America, but I, I haven't seen, I haven't lived through a communistic society. And so it was really weird reading about how, if you're at the grocery store and there's someone complaining about the prices, they can be arrested and you never see them again. Because anytime you question the government, you can't you can't say anything negative against the government or you will be killed or taken away or imprisoned. You disappear. So you disappear. And you, we're I'm just like, "Wow." I love the way she set the book up, though, because at the beginning of every chapter, there's a quote. And uh, I really like quotes. And she quoted Winston Churchill. Truth is inconvertible. Panic may resent it. Ignorance may deride it. Malice may distort it. But there it is. Hmm. 
And that was her, that's kind of her mantra. Like she was seeking the truth. She was not brought up a Christian or anything, but she was a seeker of truth. And I think we should all be praying for truth seekers and tellers. Those people that are um, in a spot where they can make a difference, but it's going to hurt them when they do. And that was her spot. She did. She went after the truth. And as Winston Churchill says, and there it is. You you can hide it. You can try to do it, but it will, it, it will come out. It will prevail. Mm-hmm. Good word. And it will set you free because you're really not going to be free if you're uh, hiding stuff, you know. Like those people who disappear, nobody really knows what happened to them. Did they put them in jail? Did they kill them? Did they, you, you don't know. And that's a secret. But, you know, the Bible said anything whispered will be made known. So everything's going to come out, you know. The way she describes living in this communistic society is just so oppressive. She says everyone, people don't smile. She said everyone is basically a defeated, obedient citizen. That is what this communism is is producing, is defeated, obedient citizens. And it's just so destructive. It's emotionally, spiritually, psychologically destructive. I mean, in one of the stories, they talk about a little girl whose parents were taken away on her birthday, oh, that was beaten so and taken away in front of her. Well, she's psychologically not okay. She gets psychologically stunted and is stays at age 10, this girl who lives next door to them at one point. And obviously, that would be extremely psychologically damaging. But Dramatic. The, I'm just like, the, how can that be sustainable? How can it be a system that is destructive be sustainable? You're constantly tearing yourself up from the inside. It's like cancer, you know? That's not sustainable. It's so sad. I mean, really. I mean, it is it, 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 that you can look at history and this doesn't work, but people still want to try that same thing. You know, fear is not a good motivator. Even in a classroom, I can tell you fear is not what you should motivate, what you should use to motivate kids. Yes. The love of learning is what we should use to motivate them. And even, you know, Daniel Pink had a whole book on drive that really rewards are not good either. They're short-lived and even for grown-ups, like an incentive, it, it doesn't work as well as, as an internal motivation. And that's what you need. You need them to be uh, motivated for a higher cause, basically. That's what I think, anyway. I, I well, was like, yeah. woo. And it's powerful because, and that's what Virginia shows in the book because yes, they, you're right. They thrive on fear. Communism is all about fear. And the people that are trying to intimidate Virginia, they operate by making people fearful, using that, torturing people, using that. And they're doing that to her at some points in the book. And she's not fearful. She, because of God, she's able, that's a major theme is about praying for your enemies. And to do that, you really can't be fearful. And it also shows you from her lifestyle, she had that terrible lifestyle, but she never did, uh, she never had a victim mindset ever. She used that and it made her tough. Yes. She was tough and she never said, woe is me. I don't have this. I don't, she just, she was just like a lawyer. She lays the facts, just the facts, ma'am. She was just saying, I was inside working and they were outside playing and, but she never said, woe is me. But she did say in there um, that how she turned to books. And I love that quote um, because books really was her only 
a friend. And I think that's why, and she excelled because she was pretty young. She was reading hard books. Yes. And that's why you were saying that she's, you know, she had to study for law and she basically had to do it all on her own. You know, she didn't have anybody uh, footing the bill. And it was way harder to law, their law school is way harder than our law school here. And she ended up, what, what was cool that, that, um, well, what was, well, I guess we should go in order because her family would leave every year and go to Bucharest. Is that how you say that? I'm not sure. To visit their aunt Cassandra and Virginia never got to go. She never got to go. She stayed home and tell them about what she had to do when she was at home. This is amazing. I mean, she was like nine or 10 years old. And she had to wake up early, 5, 5.30 in the morning, walk down to the city center, stand there until buses came with tourists, and then try to get tourists to come home with her and rent out a room. And <laughs> so she would be there, uh, and she would try to get multiple ones there. And sometimes she was there till like 10 o'clock at night till the buses stopped running. And if she didn't get people to stay in the room, she would get beaten when her because her parents, I guess they came back every day, uh, but they she would get beaten. And oh, I took it and, that they and, were gone. But when they come back, but she's going to have money. I took it that she was all by herself. Well, she is all by herself. But they come back every night, I guess, because it says. And then they she because she said she would if she didn't get anyone home and in a room, she would get beaten and not have any and sent to bed without food. So. But I mean, her uh, family, when then when she, at, time passes and she gets to go stay with Aunt Cassandra, she finds out that she looks just like her. She has red hair, which we didn't mention that because uh, her, uh, this evil mother would dye her hair because red hair was kind of um, unusual and they didn't want her to be standing out. To and, be different. Yeah. So she goes to stay with Aunt Cassandra. She buys her dresses. She's never had anything but hand-me-downs and um she she actually is so happy with her aunt cassandra and and you you like her aunt cassandra mm -hmm. and they go get their picture made together and people say well are you guys sisters or are you you know and um and so you're wondering is this her mother but they, they don't tell you you know you just have to keep reading <laughs> keep reading but I will say you don't even find out in the story, but you do find out. So keep, yeah, even if you, if you don't know and you get to the end and you're frustrated, go on to the question and answer part. There's an interview with her in the back and that's where you get some of those questions answered. So just, just FYI, but she, um, uh, she meets a guy and I'm going to call him Radu. She meets him and they're, there's right there's the time where you're studying to see if you can pass the test to get into law school and they're both doing that and she makes it and he doesn't and then he's he's very moody and temperamental and so you know he was jealous i mean that's the only thing i can think of it's just envy jealous the vices came and they broke up but then eventually they get back together and she marries him and you're kind of saying as the reader uh-oh you know, he's, he's probably not someone that's, uh, he's petty and, uh, you know, she, she's just like searching for the truth. And that's what I, I thought was amazing that even though she married him, she kept going strong. And 
Uh, the first scripture that impacted her was John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. She'd been searching for years, all in all the wrong places for truth. And then she found it. And then she becomes a Christian. And it, it I mean, when she becomes a Christian, her whole life changes. You know, she's focused. Yes. And she goes head head first into that. And but about this point in her life, she has two kids, two little girls. She's married and she's a, a successful attorney. She has she has accomplished a lot coming from her background. And this is when she comes to know Christ. And I think and, we could all use her mantra that she says when she goes into the courtroom, she says, uh, this is his battle. I am his tool. Couldn't we do that in anything? Oh, definitely. Yeah, this is his battle. I am his tool. So, I mean, uh, she, at this time, she she's so smart that she uses Romanian's law before the dictator got in there. There's legal laws that protect the churches because uh, basically he wants, the dictator's wanting to destroy all the churches. And it's weird because the churches have to apply to get repairs done. And they don't answer the uh, they don't ap answer the applications, and then they're going to condemn them because they don't fix their building up. But she well, she countered all that. And there's a it's interesting because the the reason why the churches are even there at all is because the dictator is uh, Nikolai is wanting he he wants to stay on good terms with America for trade reasons. Mm -hmm. So there's a certain status that they're trying to keep. And so from the outside, it looks like, hey, we, we allow religious freedom when they don't, but there's still churches. But, and, and so you could have a Bible only in the church. If there was a Bible outside of a church, then it was illegal. You could be arrested, thrown in jail. And so a lot of the people, she starts defending these people that a lot of them have been doctors, that they would pray over their patients or give them a Bible. They, they would be sent to jail. And so uh, different people who would be trying to transport Bibles would be caught. And so she starts defending these people. And it, it's just so interesting that she starts doing winning these cases and gets some notice. And that is the reason why the dictator assigns an assassin to kill her, because she's defending Christians. And, and she's successful. If she she's hadn't successful. been successful, because he was so brutal and repressive, he, he um, declared himself a god. So if you don't think he is a god, you know, and at one point she said, communist Romania was a land of lies. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I did make a connection when she was young. She said that she learned early to remain silent and blend in. And that connected with Mahmud and the refugee. That's a good connection. She, she tried to be invisible. But um, she let me ask you this, though, uh -huh. before you go on. What so what threat did organized religion pose to Nikolai, the, the dictator? Why? Why was he so what threat were they? Well, he's God. They're worshiping in something that's not him. He declared himself a God. So the threat was. Well, you're, you're supposed to worship him, not God, not, you know, that, and, and plus he knows he's not God, you know, to me to, you can declare yourself God if you want to, 
but uh, yeah, he does. You're insubordinate. I just don't see what the threat was. I don't. I don't. I. I don't see. I mean, these people. These are very loving people. These are people that are. But they're not worshiping him. But I mean, you would think most societies would want that type of person, someone who is loving and taking care of someone else. But Hitler didn't. I know, which, but I'm, but obviously that didn't work out. That wasn't sustainable. So I'm just like, why do we keep seeing this pattern of something that is proven not to work? Because if we don't know history, we tend to repeat it as people. You know, they just repeat it. Uh, yeah, because Hitler made him take the crosses down and put the swastikas up and all that. So really, it wasn't a church anymore. You were worshiping him. Yeah. His rule and his reign. She meets this lawyer with a spine problem that was really, she had curvature of the spine. She had a surgery to fix it and it made it worse, but a strong heart. And she really motivated Virginia because this girl, she, this woman, she never complained. And she was the very first person to tell Virginia, I believe in you. Hmm. And that just made me choke up. I believe in you. And she said, I will help you as long as you are teachable. Hmm. And um, I had just heard a podcast the other day and it was about um, someone had read a Bob Golf book. And when Bob was a young, young man, and he wanted to drop out of school and he didn't want to finish high school. He just wanted to go to uh, a national park and, and just bum around, you know, and he went by this guy's house. His name was Randy and because he had talked to them about Jesus, because long ago you could have people come into the school and talk, you know, and he'd talked to, he was kind of like a hippie-ish kind of guy, came in a motorcycle, you know, Bob thought he was cool, but he did think he should tell him goodbye. So he stopped by his house to tell him goodbye. And, and uh, he said, I'm going to, I think it was Yosemite. I'm just going to hike. I'm going to get enough, a job to earn some money for food. And I'm, and, she, and he said, wait a minute. And he was gone for a while. And then he came back with a backpack and he said, I'm with you, Bob. Jumps in the car and they go. And then, uh, of course, they get up there and Bob can't, uh, he can't find a job. They stay a couple of days. And then Bob said, well, and Randy just kept, he said, well, uh, maybe I should go back because this didn't work out like I thought. And Randy said, I'm with you, Bob. They go back and he drops Randy off at his house and his uh, somebody comes out and hugs him and says, oh, you're back. It was his wife. When Bob is, it goes into the house that he sees all these gifts and everything. And guess what? Bob, Bob just realized that Randy was on his honeymoon and he mm -hmm. left that and went with him. And he said, that's what I think we need. The kind of people that say, I'm with you, Bob, and then let Bob figure it out. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's a mentor, a, a coach will tell you what to do. We don't want that. We want a mentor that sh lets you figure it out, but they're there. But they're I'm with supportive. You. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's what this girl, Vera, her name was Vera, which was like my, my roommate in college. Her name was Vera, but Vera totally supported her. I believe in you. That's just another way to say I'm with you, Virginia, as long as you're teachable, you know, but she was focused and she helped her. She had some, she could you know, kind of pulled some strings and helped her. But um, the whole thing through her life, it's just like other books we've read. She has a lot of bad stuff happen to her, but there's always a glimmer. There's a, there's a ray of sunshine like God would send her. Like when they were quarantined for months 
and uh, for a month and almost out of food he sent uh someone and played with the children and kind of gave her reprieve i mean it's just amazing that these people would come into her life at i mean she she would offer the people who were keeping her locked up coffee i thought that was amazing would you like some coffee no but she softened them yes and I, and I think a lot of these people became Christians. Yes. Because, and, you know, and, and then we can't forget to mention the American embassy because they were a huge uh, part of this story. Yes. And it does make you proud to be an American when you hear stuff like that. And I, I hope we are still doing stuff like that. I'm, I don't know about all the American embassies around the world, but I feel like in this story, that's exactly what American embassy embassy should be doing. That's what yeah. they're there for. And so, they, they weren't even, the Romanian citizens weren't even supposed to look at the American embassy. They were supposed to cross on the other side of the street. So there, there's a lot of animosity kind of, which is weird to, to hear that. But anyway, somehow they, they start going to her court cases and they start getting involved and seeing what she's doing. And because of them, I, they kept her alive. So oh, yeah. if it and wasn't Ronald, for them. Ronald Reagan was on her side, which made you think, um, I was thankful for him because you think, well, at church, you'd be safe. No, they had spies in the church. They would send spies because somebody was saying, uh, somebody said in the courtroom, Maranatha is not welcome here. And uh, she smiled at that because Maranatha is just, Lord, come quickly. It's not a person. (laughs) But that person, the spy, didn't know. So Maranatha is not welcome here. So I thought. Because they were saying Maranatha is coming soon. Yeah. So they thought that was a person. Mm -hmm. I thought that was. So there's a little humor in it, you know. But so and we we won't tell you how it plays out because it's very suspenseful. There's a lot of things that happen, but it has a great ending. Obviously, you know that from the beginning. But but they did. The American embassy did play a part in her because the dictator still wanted to be on good terms with America. So it, once they kind of kept their eyes on her, uh, that really helped her a lot. And so. they tried to break her. They took her in for questioning because if the people that she represented, they tried to get them to change. They roughed them up, but they bashed her head into the table. And Multiple she, times. Oh, yeah. She, she was tortured. She yes. never wavered. And um, I, I'm just like, wow. Uh, so in, in some of the quotes that I wrote down was, this was from Ralph Waldo Emerson, bad times have a scientific value. These are occasions a good learner would not miss. I mean, mm. these are quotes that Virginia picked out, and I think they kind of are the epitome of her. Uh, another one, Steve, Stephen Covey, I am not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my choices. And then the last one was Mark Twain, which kind of surprised me that Mark Twain was even in her book at all. I was like, wow, courage is resistance to fear, mastery of fear, not absence of fear. I loved it. That's so good. And then she has tons of scriptures that really, uh, this kind of all goes with that book we read on memorizing scripture because that's what got her through these hard, difficult times. She relied on scripture and she would go over and over it in her head. Uh, I remember one scripture, I wrote this down, Psalm 49, 5. I am in the midst of lions. And I thought, wow. Mm. And she was. She was in the midst of lying. I like so, uh, she, I like this too. She has um it says I, 
I suppose none of us know how high we can jump until a skyscraper obstructs our way, how fast we can run until a line chases us, the value of our freedom until confinement restricts our movements, or how precious hope is until someone shatters our dreams. Mm. So that ties in with your lion. (laughs) Yeah, it does. Well, she just all the time, these scriptures, and a lot of them were from Psalms. And um, I, I mean, the Lord strengthened her. And, and that's how she was able to uh, go forward. She was not a backward thinker because if you think how many people in 18 years never had a birthday party, never had a birthday cake, her, her birthday came and went. Most people would still be crying over that. Yeah. I mean, you know, but and the injustice of her childhood, I think somehow made her hunger for justice, you know, and truth. Yeah. She was a seeker of truth, and then when she found it, she held on to it. She did not let go. She and was, I like, it, she said, too, that freedom is precious to those who don't have it. If the truth lives within me, lies cannot overpower me. If my soul is free, no power on earth can enslave me. If God gives me the victory, defeat is impossible. She also said that, uh, call on me in the day of trouble, Psalm 50, 15. We all can do, do that in, on the day of trouble. But, uh, man, did she ever waver? Did you see a wavering anywhere? I didn't. No. But she she fed herself daily on truth. And yeah. like she said, if, if you have the truth inside of you, the lies cannot overpower you. And I think that was just profound. And that's what she was such a great example of. And by her faith, she helped strengthen others' faith. Um, and she brought a lot of positive change to her city, to her family, uh, to the people around her. Like, it's just, a, it's a beautiful story. And we won't even get into the assassin part, but... It, yeah, the title kind of tells you that. But let me tell you, her whole walk was one of doing the right thing. Like, there was a time when uh, they were... Uh, I can't even remember the whole story, but she prevented a girl from committing suicide. And then the father of that girl let is the one was on a board that she, she got to what, what was that for? But anyway, he said, Oh yes, she's a good person. Mm-hmm. She, you know, I think all the time she just always did the right thing. She did. And it, it is amazing. She's in it. She is an inspiration and she's living in Texas now. How cool is I, that? I, the, Dallas. Like yeah. I was, I thought that was pretty cool. So, but you'll have to see how it, it there's just a beautiful ending and, and she brings a lot of, it, it just comes full circle. A lot of things and you just got, you just need to read it because it's so good. It's a quick read. I read it in a couple of days, could not put it down. So it, yeah, once I, it is my it. it is my favorite memoir. It really is saving my assassin, and oh, I have just, one. You just got to read it. One other thing: there was a time when her daughter was still going to school. This is before they were quarantined, and um, her daughter remember that she wrote something and said. Uh, anyway, it spoke out against evolution because that's what they were teaching. And so when Virginia went to talk to the teacher, the teacher actually was a, a believer. A closet believer. Yeah. 
And uh, I, I was proud of her daughter for, I didn't write that down, but she had the cutest little paper that she wrote saying that what the teacher asked him to do, she said, no, we are created by God. <laughs> We're not. And then the teacher actually believed that. But she didn't want to mess up her retirement. Yeah. She fear. wanted fear. She didn't. Yeah. She didn't want to say anything that would uh, bring the police on her. And that was the other thing too. This the system it created so much betrayal, mm -hmm. so much betrayal because people you had to usually be turned in. Someone would turn you in for passing out Bibles or whatever, and they would reward the people who betrayed their family and friends. Mm -hmm. So there was an incentive to betray. So it was it's a it, it's the opposite of what it should be. And you're so right. The uh, American embassy did the right thing. And I, I mean, with no regard to themselves, they were really wanting to help her. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they did. Yeah, I was proud. Yeah. You know, sometimes you read something and you're like, oh, you know, but that, that yeah. was a good it was a good read. And like you said, it it can be read really quickly. And uh, but man, it, and it's one that you probably want to give to people. You know, I think oh, it'd be yeah. good to, a, a good one to give. I guess Cynthia thought it was a good idea. <laughs> so. I mean, it's kind of, it's a, it's a thriller. It's suspenseful, it, but it's also, it's, it's a really, it's a faith builder. Mm -hmm. it, 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 it's just a really good, it packs a punch. So, and if you want to hear her, there is, uh, I'll try to find out, but I can't remember, um, which fam focus on the family it was, but you can hear her uh, little talk too. But uh, I think she goes around the country speaking too, and so and she so we'll we'll make sure to put her uh, website in the show notes. And this was written in 2016, so um, hey, if she speaks down there, let me know because I want to come and hear her. So if she's, okay, we'll yeah. do. I would I want to too. That would be amazing. <laughs> oh, I would just be. Oh man, I would probably pass out. <laughs> That, wow. Yeah. So that's a wrap on Saving My Assassin. Remember, as Virginia, it's this is the hard one. Matthew 5, 44, love your enemies. And if you, Saving My Assassin, if you want to practice what, what she was, she practiced what she preached, I guess. So, you know, yes, she, she was so good at praying for enemies. And in a way, it's because they're not really our enemies. So yep. we do have real enemies, but they're not flesh and blood. Yep, that's right. So, that's in Ephesians. There yes. you go. Yeah. So we appreciate you giving us an ear today and dropping by with a cup of tea or coffee or cappuccino. <laughs> so, and please, please read Saving My Assassin by Virginia Proden or Prodden. Stay on track. Read your stack.